Hello, my name's Karen O'Connor and you're listening to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, the podcast that looks at all aspects of women's lives from hormones and health to relationships, finance and social justice issues. You can connect with me on social media at at karen.mmn. If you enjoy this podcast or podcast in general, and you've been wondering whether you should start your own podcast, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is to start podcasting. Now let's get right into it. Hello and welcome. <laughs> I'm here today with Carolyn Tate. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. So you're a divorce mentor who you've taken your own experience of struggling through divorce and everything, and you've created a website and courses that gather experts together and groups to support other women as they're going through divorce and separation. Yeah, I have with my, with my partner, Gillian. So we have um, created, there's a website, we've got webinars, we run a group that where you can learn video lessons and join a private group on Facebook that a beautiful community that supports each other through all the tough times. So it's a real labor of love. And we, I certainly, when I was going through my divorce, there was nothing like that when I did so much of it by myself and it was, you don't know, no one knows how to get divorced until you're doing it. It's not a skill that we're taught. So I just didn't know where to turn or where to look. And so I wanted to create this resource for other women so that nobody has to do it by themselves. I was going to say, what caused you to do that? Was it just that you were looking for some support I, and you couldn't find it? Yeah, it was at first, I didn't know a, a lot of stuff about getting divorced and I financially I wasn't in a good space so I couldn't afford to go out and get all the professionals that I would have liked to talk to when it came to finance and psychology and family law and mediation and all that stuff and I really just muddled through it as best I could I could have done it healthier and better and faster and I could have come out of it with a better result but I got through it and then a, almost a year to the day after I did all of that, my best friend Gillian rang me up and she said, my husband's left me, what am I going to do? It was like completely blindsided, no idea it was happening. And then she was going through the same thing. And so I coached her through it a little bit and taught her what I knew. And between the two of us then after all of that, we went, we know a lot of stuff now. <laughs> and going through divorce is such a lonely experience because a lot of us tend to isolate ourselves. We don't want to reach out or ask for help or tell people what's going on because there's still a little bit of shame associated with it, I think. Or we try to look like we're doing fine and we're coping to the outside world. And we just wanted to create a space where you don't have to pretend to be fine. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because I'm looking back on, and I'm still going through it, or separation anyway. But I look back on particularly the first couple of months and what was going on for me in not sharing was that I didn't want anybody to think badly about my husband. It wasn't fair that I yes. turned anybody against him. And if we did get back together, because the original plan was to go spend some time apart for six to eight months and then get back together to see what we want to do. As it's happened, various things have happened that mm. didn't work out. But I didn't want to say anything about him, bad about him, any reasons to anybody in case we ended up getting back together because then I'd look like an idiot <laughs> for going back to him. That was the other thing. So it's Absolutely. 
It is, yeah. And I think women tend to much more often carry that burden of making everything nice for everyone. And heaven forbid we should tell the truth about our partners or ex-partners. That, that If people think badly about them because we tell the truth about them, we feel like that's something that we have to be concerned about. And as you say, nobody wants to be that. It's humiliating to go out and say that he did these terrible things. Oh, but now we're back together and it's all okay. There's so much at play. And women tend to carry the burden of that, I think, a lot more. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And and for me, one of the things I realised is that in not being willing to communicate that stuff, I was actually out of integrity with my, what's important to me because my core values are respect, honesty and integrity, I suppose, is the third one, but they all mingle together. So I wasn't mm. being fully honest because telling a half-truth to me is not being true to myself. It's either somebody asks me a question, I here's your answer. <laughs> it's all there and yeah. so it was yeah. me and, 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 that I was actually having a problem with yeah that's a great point and I think it's it's that that old Buddhist kind of thing about getting shooting yourself with the second arrow you've already been shot with one arrow and you're shooting yourself with that second arrow of making yourself suffer you're not living by your values you're not surrounding yourself with support you're really isolating yourself you're making it 10 times harder than it needs to be all to protect someone that really can take care of themselves <laughs> Yeah, and it, but it's not something that's easily done, is it? Because I, even today, and we're, what, nine months down the track, I'm still in the space of, oh, if I tell people that, he's going to look bad and so maybe I won't say anything because they'll get the wrong impression. It's still that almost loyalty to him and the relationship that even one half of my brain's going, it's totally misplaced. Yeah, yeah. And nobody is just one action or one thing or one aspect of themselves. Everybody is complex and made up of light and shade and, and wonder and joy and some pretty shitty bits. But uh, so when we, I think we feel like when we go out and talk about that, we're really, yeah, it does feel still like, a little bit like a betrayal, I think. And everyone can make their own decisions about how much they want to share about what they're going through. But at the end of the day, everybody going through separation and divorce need support and it's never an easy time no matter what sort of breakup you've had and so even if you don't go out and do dirty laundry as our parents and grandparents might say which I, I have a big problem with I think horrible things fester in dark corners and I think shining light on those bits is not a bad thing but also even if you don't want to tell everyone all of the details you can still share that you're going through a really tough time and that you're finding things a little bit difficult right now and maybe you could do with some help. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I hadn't looked at it from that perspective, but the not sharing, honestly, what's going on for ourselves and for us as women, a lot of that is emotion and it doesn't mean anything because us as women, we understand that's just the emotion that somebody has. We don't have to take it on board and there's nothing wrong with that emotion. But when we don't express it, that old saying what you resist persists it hangs around absolutely yeah yeah and you don't have to share it with everybody I think you can have appropriate places that you share it there are certainly we've probably all seen people that have live streamed their entire divorce on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and, and everyone feels a bit uncomfortable about that so I think it's also about having a place where you can a support network where you can 
lay down your weapons and let your guard down and say, I'm really having a tough time and I can you help me or can you listen to me or, or whatever it is? And having that safe space is so valuable. So it, it is about having a safe space because I think, and I think that's the difference, isn't it? When you've got a safe space, you're not necessarily talking in order to turn somebody against somebody else. You're talking simply yeah. to offload. And I think that's the difference between putting your divorce on a live stream on Instagram and talking about it to a group of people that you can trust. Yeah, and there's a big difference between saying my ex is a whatever expletive you want to use and I'm struggling and, I'm, and I've got these feelings. That's because doing all of that, go through all those processes, sure, especially early on, you've got to do what you need to do. But, but really, when you're in this situation, it's you now, right? Like you're on your own. This relationship is finished. Your focus now is on recovery and moving forward. And that involves processing and dealing with the emotions that you have, but also going, okay, what do I need? What's going to make me happy? How can I get from where I am now to where I want to be? And sitting in the mud and talking about what a horrible person your ex is doesn't actually progress any of that. What progresses it is having getting help with legal stuff, psychological stuff, financial stuff, whatever it is that you need, and then and deciding you've got this. We like to look at it as a clean slate. You've been compromising for however long you've been with this person. And now it's your life, right? You've got this opportunity to look up from where you are and go, what do I want? Where am I in my life? And where do I want to be in a year or five years or 10 years? And how can I start working towards that? Because I don't have to worry about what that person wants anymore. <laughs> I don't have to worry that they want to end up like living in a, on a top of a mountain in Canada. That's not my dream. That was their dream. What do I want to do? Maybe I want to move to Italy and be a ballet dancer. <laughs> I don't know. But whatever it is, children notwithstanding, obviously there's a lot of you still have to parent children if you have children, but it's entirely your life and you get to decide and, and take your time, process your stuff, but then go, okay, what, how am I going to make that happen? That's actually one of the hardest things to do, I think, for women, especially if you've been in a relationship yes. like I've been in a relationship 30-odd years. and. When I was selling the house and looking for a new place, it was actually my eldest daughter who said to me, and I'm going, oh, I think I should get this because I can do it up and there's enough room for the family. She said, mum, you've got one child at home. Why do you need a five-bedroom house? And it's not, <laughs> you've always done the renovations because that's what you've always done. She said, what is it you want? I, honest to God, hand on heart, could not tell her. She had to tell me, she had to say, "Yeah, do you want to be near the beach? Do you want to be near a cafe? Do you want to be, yeah, and talk me through it? Because I could not express it. I was simply incapable of expressing it. And I think that's the importance, one yeah. of the important and things you get out of having a group of friends around you or a support network around you. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's such a good point that you make about that we, we've become so out of touch with what we want and it is a process. It's not as simple as snapping your fingers and going, well, actually, I want this. It's, as you say, it's wonderful if you have children or friends or whatever who can, it's like a choose your own adventure. Do you want X or do you want Y? And then if you go Y, do you want A or B? And it, people like that around you are, are really fantastic and lovely, patient people. And whether it's that or whether it's just taking the time to maybe... I think seeing a counsellor can be really beneficial to bring yourself back to 
who you are as a person rather than as part of a couple. Or even I get really furious when we talk about journaling because I hate journaling. But every time I do it, it helps me to, I don't know, it gets you in touch with your real thoughts and feelings in a way that is is magical and weird and it makes me really mad. But it's amazing. Whatever works for you, I think you have to try different things to get there and it's, it's not an instant process but it's so wonderful that you have a daughter who could help you in that way it's really beautiful they, they've actually been great all of the kids I've been so lucky that there's been a bit of resistance and there's been resistance from a few other people like quite what can I say not violent vehement resistance to uh, the mm. idea of even separating never mind divorce and it, that really shocked me. Because it's like, oh, my marriage, why have you got an opinion about it? <laughs> oh, yeah, strong opinions come from everywhere. And sometimes it's really surprising. <laughs> but, but you just have to stay in your well, lane, really, don't you? Do I think what shocked me the most initially was how valid some people think their opinions are about what you should be doing and the stand that you're taking on what your future is. <laughs> Hang on, thought this was my life. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's really baffling. I think those people are probably people that have an opinion on everything that you do, not just this. But I think when you're, and people show support in really weird ways too sometimes. And I think if they, they think they're being helpful, but perhaps they're not. And one of the things that I always, when people ask, how can I be helpful to someone going through a divorce? The thing I always say is ask them questions. Don't give them your opinion. Ask them questions about if you think that they should be thinking about, but asking questions can really, you can share the things that you, maybe you're concerned about. Have you thought about how you're going to exist financially? Have you thought about how it will affect the kids or whatever? But you can offer those questions in a way that that invites someone to consider things without saying you're making a big mistake or you're wrecking the children's lives or you'll we have a lot of women who are in our program who are really especially who have been reasonably financially comfortable who have been told by their exes or or someone you're never going to recover financially and it's interesting that it's, it's almost like a velvet handcuff situation where it's not the women who necessarily were at the lower end of the financial kind of spectrum, but women who are quite comfortable are really feel tied to that and feel like they can't escape from it. And, and they've had people say, a lot of potential exes saying, you're never going to recover financially. And I always find that baffling that it's often a man who has said that to a woman and I think, imagine knowing that someone stayed with you because you said that. <laughs> what a strange relationship to be in. But asking those questions, I think, can be really helpful rather than offering your unsolicited opinion. But yeah, I got a lot of unsolicited opinions too. <laughs> yeah, they're really fascinating, aren't they? You're like, yeah, I got them at the school gate. Did you? Yeah, which I found interesting because I, yeah. Because I had, my kids were 12, 6 and 4 when my husband and I separated and the little kids, you're always around the school and you're talking to parents and two things I noticed. The first one I found quite comical, which was that women looked at me differently when I was talking to their husbands because suddenly I was single. And second, that just some real, I, I had a woman say to me, oh, what did she say? Something like, oh, I wish I was as brave 
as, I wish I was as, as brave as you. I've got a lot of stuff like that. I wish, I wish I was as brave as you, but I just couldn't do that to my kids. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, that's a bit of a backhander. <laughs> but I knew I was raising my kids in an unhappy in an unhappy marriage, so why would I want to do that to my kids? I think I did my kids a great fave by by separating from their dad and and they're very happy with dusted children. So I think there are many things you can do to raise kids well and, and I think whether you get divorced or don't get divorced isn't the key. Yeah, I'm just deciding whether to. But one of the things that was going on for me is the first one was I need to be the role model for my daughters. I need to be, and my mm -hmm. sons as well, but they left home a while ago. Not a lot I can do about that. But I need to know that my daughters know where to draw the line when they're not happy with something, they're not happy with how they're being treated or being listened to. And it's, I'm not saying that my husband was abusive in any way, right? It was just a slightly, as far as I was concerned, slightly off relationship. My eldest daughter now says, your relationship was really toxic and we've all been able to see that for years. And she, it was toxic for both of you. It wasn't one-sided and you're both better off without the other one. So it's really interesting mm. that had I stayed in with that, I'd be giving a shocking message to my daughters as far as I'm concerned. That was the other thing that came up. I've known that for a while but didn't do anything about it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's wonderful for them to grow up in a happy, healthy household where everyone's in love and and great. If you've got that, fantastic, stick with that. And if you're having problems in your marriage or in your relationship, if you can work on those and everybody's working on it and you can find a way to, and you're still, your motivation is to to the happiness of each other and yourselves and that sort of stuff, then great. But if, as you say, you get to a point where it's toxic or where it's in my situation, we went to counseling and we did all that stuff and, and it just wasn't working. We tried really hard, but we just weren't the right fit for each other. And that's okay. But I certainly wasn't going to spend the rest of my life chasing that mistake <laughs> and trying to make it not a mistake. So it was time to call it. And I think I've now repartnered and I live in, we have a blended family now, which is a whole other set of challenges at times. But I know that also my kids are now growing up in a household where there is a healthy relationship that they can look to that and go that. We have disagreements, but we talk about them and we quite openly. And we go to a counsellor to talk about our blended family because we've never done that before. And and our kids see that we, we support each other and we want the best for each other. And I think that's such a, a healthier message than the, my kids, when I was married, never saw conflict because we, we was like, but it was like living in Antarctica. <laughs> We kept our conflict private, but the rest of the time towards the end there, there wasn't affection, there wasn't love, there wasn't a lot of easy conversation. It was very, it was, yeah, it was frozen. So that's not something that I want them to grow up thinking is normal. Something that just occurred to me as you were talking, you actually said something and I thought, I wonder how much of all this choice that we make to stick with a relationship has to do with not wanting to be seen to make a mistake. Because what you were saying is I made a mistake and I acknowledged that I made a mistake and then I went on to do it better having learned from that mistake. But a lot of us don't necessarily see mistakes as failures, don't we? 
Yeah, and, and I think from a societal point of view as well, a marriage is is not something you're supposed to make a mistake about, yeah. which I find remarkable. How on earth are we, especially the people that got married, say in your early 20s, mid 20s, whatever, like how on earth are you supposed to know who you're going to be for the rest of your life? And even if you're making healthy choices and you're choosing the right person, maybe they're the right person for then, but not the right person for later. I think it's this really outdated idea that, and this is probably a whole other discussion, but that that marriage should be for life. And there's this terrible stigma attached with leaving that marriage. And I know like my mother divorced my father when I was six and she never remarried because she was like, well, clearly just didn't marriage and I don't agree. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting choice and not one that I subscribe to. And that's fine if that's your thing. But I just think, I don't know, when babies are learning to walk, they fall over like a bunch of times, but they keep getting up and they keep going. I didn't want to give up on love or finding the right person just because I didn't make the right choice the first time. So I think, and that's evolving, I think, a lot in society. I think it's becoming much more okay. In, in my mother's generation, it wasn't okay to get divorced. It was still, it was very early in that sort of no fault kind of area. And there was a lot of stigma still attached to it. So I think hopefully it's evolving. Hope There's a lot of us, right? There's, a, <laughs> there's a, We're taking over the world. <laughs> so I think it's becoming more normal. It's pretty standard now. I met my current partner on Tinder. There's a lot of people like out there who are going for another round, seeing what they can find. <laughs> Let's move on in this direction because the stuff you do is all about creating a new life after divorce, isn't it? You, so you support, hang on. So do you have people who are thinking about separating and then going through the whole process and then after that? What is it exactly? Who are you talking to in what you do? Who's your audience? Yeah, so so it's, we, we break the program up into three chunks. So we have what we call breakup triage, which is that early, some people come to us when they're thinking about it. Some people come to us in that really early, they're really in the weeds. And it's that sort of immediate pre-separation and maybe like the three months post-separation where you really need to know stuff in a hurry that you don't know. So we have in our program there, we have a legal triage. We have stuff like how to gather your support network and what, as I said, sorry, the legal stuff that you need to know, the psychological support that you might need. And we interviewed a bunch of um, experts for these video lessons that we have. So we have some beautiful psychologists who have given advice on how you can take care of yourself in that time and also how to talk to your children about what's going on. The, what records you need to be keeping, the admin of it all, because it's a, and, and you're so emotional in that time too. So there's that. And then there's what we call surviving separation, which is getting through that for the next kind of six months after that, which is stuff about going through your, your property settlement, going through child custody arrangements, mediation, that more that long-term, starting to look up that long-term kind of taking care of yourself if you need to go back to work, if you haven't been working or all those kinds of things, fixing up, getting that structure in place for taking care of yourself and starting to go, okay, what do I need to do to be okay on my own here? And then we have that third beautiful period, which is, okay, you've survived all of that. And as we touched on before, what now? What do I want? What's my bright new future look like? And it's all about that sort of designing that stuff. And we also talk about getting back into dating and all that kind of thing. And for those who want to do it, certainly not, not something that we say you have to do, but 
so there's those three kind of phases and we, there's no time period on it, self-paced, you can do it however you like, but we think of it as about a year that you look at. And by the end of a year, really, we, we think that people coming through the program are really, they've come through it, they're looking up and they're going, I survived. I'm not only am I okay, I'm like, I'm thriving. I've got this new life that I've set up and I've got plans for my future and I'm good. This is, we like to say, and it's really hard to think about when you're in the weeds that we want to turn your divorce into the best thing that ever happened to you, because it really can be if you take it as an opportunity to start fresh and do what you want to do. That was a long answer. Sorry about that. No, no, that was great because you covered a lot of things and I'm tapping my wrist. I tap my wrist when I have to a question to remember and I'm like, oh, that one. Oh, no, two. Oh, no, three. So it was great (laughs) because one of the things I thought is the big fear, particularly as you get older, for me, for example, I haven't been in the workforce for over 20 years and now I don't have anybody to support me. And I've had, while I've been going through all this, I've had quite a few people, a few women reach out to me and say, that's the reason I'm still with him. I can't, I don't know whether I'd get a job. We're getting towards retirement age. We, I don't know how I would support myself for the rest of my life. And that's possibly the biggest fear of anything. How are you going to live? There's a lady, I go walking down the beach near where I live up on the Sunshine Coast And I know she was living out of a car. And I know that the fastest growing homeless age group is women aged 55 and over who've recently got divorced or widowed, usually divorced or separated, and they're living in their cars or living on people's lounges or whatever. That's a genuine fear. And I think any support that can be given with that is possibly the most crucial in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're spot on. It's a really terrifying statistic. And I know that there are some programs out there that are, that are coordinating share house living for women in that, in that age group who find themselves in that situation. And we have um, a career coach who's come in and, and given advice as well for women in that situation. And we've seen some really beautiful stories of women who've come through our program who are in that situation as well, who one has found work in a local it was one of her favorite local shops and it was her dream to work there. And she ended up getting a part-time job there first. I think now she's full-time. And I think there's a huge resistance as well at first to giving up that lifestyle of being taken care of because it's all that you've known for a long time. It's really confronting and you have to put yourself way out of your comfort zone and be really vulnerable as well. And I know that going for a job interview and stuff like that is is hard for anyone, but for someone who hasn't done it for a really long time and doesn't know, everything feels, the the workforce feels like it's so different from what was 20 years ago. And will I have the skills and will I, how will I know what to do? And and especially as well, if you have any underlying anxiety issues or anything, it just compounds it so much and makes it really tough. And it's a considerable obstacle. And there are coaching services out there for women in that situation that can really help to, to bridge that gap and to, to put it into small bite-sized chunks so that you can do one thing at a time and they can help with your resume and they can help with interview skills and all that sort of stuff. But it's, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not an easy thing to do and it really takes a lot to, to suck it up and take a step. And that's, I think, with everything, 
taking a step. Sometimes you just have to go, just take a step. It doesn't have to be all of the stuff. Just take a step, whatever it is. But I can't, I don't know what the stats are on this, but I imagine the stats of, because probably people don't answer this question honestly, but how many women are staying in their marriage because they don't know how to live alone in financially or in other ways it would be immense. Oh, yeah. I think just by the number of people that reached out to me after I um, spoke to everybody about us separating back in April or something, I got so many people reach out to me and just share their own stories about being unhappy but being terrified of leaving because of their age and because they haven't been in the workforce Mm. because maybe they work with their husband they've got a business together there's so many reasons and yeah and also it's yeah. the timing of it our income was from my husband's projects now i'm going through a divorce i'm selling one house i'm buying another house i'm looking after all the kids and everything i'm trying to deal with all that and i've got to somehow build a business to create my own income <laughs> Which has been interesting and the most interesting challenge in that has been in not being hard on myself when I am completely unable to do anything because I'm just caught up in all the emotions of it or I'm having another argument with somebody or I'm just having a general meltdown or my brain won't work. Being okay with that because that's not easy because on the back of my mind I'm going, I need to make money. I need to create an income. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. And I know when I separated from my husband, we still had small children and I was a freelance journalist and I was working two days a week and then he was gone and there was no financial support at all. And so I had to go from zero to a hundred really quickly. I wasn't even making enough to pay the rent for the house that I was living in. I had to, and so that white knuckle terror of having to make enough money, I totally understand it. And I still, I still have a little bit of financial anxiety around it. I'm much more comfortable now, but it was, it was so hard. And I didn't, there were so many weeks where I thought, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen this week. And it was just head down, bum up, work really hard. And I just had to, there was no other choice. And it's, it's really hard to encourage women to put themselves in that position because it is hard and you don't know how you're going to how you're going to get through it all i know from my experience and from talking to a lot of other women is that and we talked about this off air that those sorts of challenges really you've got grit in your shell you and when you get through that stuff you can survive anything and my confidence now is sky high in in that regard because i know that whatever challenges come I can deal with them um, because I've dealt with them before. I've shown myself that I can. But would I choose to be in that position? No, it's really, it's a really hard thing. If you, I can see why women who maybe their marriage isn't so bad and they're thinking, do I go or don't I go? I see why many of them stay. But I tell you an interesting, we had a little vox pop in our, in the members of our group a while back who had been through the program and were through to that year phase. And we asked them, how many of you, wish that wish the regret your divorce or were happier before and none of them did every single one of them said they're happier now than they are than they were when they were married even the ones that were blindsided who didn't even know there was a problem every single one of them was happier a year out so I think that's a wonderful reminder that you get through the hard stuff and then beyond that is some wonderful stuff so let me ask you this, and this is a bit of a tangent that I'm going off here, but 
it's easy if you have an event that if you were already a bit unhappy and you have an event and you can go, it's caused by that event. But if you're just like, there's just a general, this isn't right, but can't poke my finger at anything because <laughs> there's a hundred different things that I don't like, but none of them are big. How do you deal, how do people deal with that? Women I'm talking about, how do we deal with that and make a decision as about what mm. to do? That's a great question. And I think it, it has to be a personal choice at some point, but I think if you're in that situation, I think the first thing you probably want to be doing is going to your partner and saying, are you happy? Because I don't feel like I, like I feel like we could be happier. Do you want to work on this together? Because if they do, maybe there's something there. Maybe you can work on it. But if you've got a partner who says, no, I don't want to work on that with you because your happiness is not, because the fact that you're unhappy is not important to me, that's probably a sign that you want to be thinking about other choices and there's nothing wrong with I think a lot of people don't talk about it because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or they but if you're unhappy and you're thinking about going what's the harm in having a crack and saying maybe we could have a try together to, to making this work but if you've got someone saying to your face your unhappiness is not a priority for me then I think that's probably a sign that you'd be better off on your own <laughs> How do different women deal with that fear and that? Because it, it's so much easier to be somewhere that's familiar that we don't like than going into the unfamiliar because we got no idea what's going to happen. How do you get from that? How, how have different people dealt with that? I think the number one thing that we see that helps women in that situation is having a strong support network, is talking to people. I, I think and, and when I say support network, it's not necessarily just your friends. It's also services or speaking to a counsellor or speaking to a career coach or speaking to a family lawyer, uh, your children's school, uh, whatever it is, getting that those pillars in place that will support you as you transition from one thing to another thing I think is so important. And having a place where you can ask your questions and trying to figure it out on your own is so isolating, so lonely and hard because you don't know the answers. So I think having that support is absolutely essential to moving anywhere. And then maybe it's also a matter of dipping your toe into something. You don't have to necessarily pick up and go. If you're concerned about how you'll have money or whatever and you're still in the marital home, Maybe it's a go see if you can find a part-time job or start to put the feelers out and just get a taste of what it might be like, that life might be like, and to build your ability to support yourself and, and all those sorts of things as well, whether it's financial or emotional or social or, or if your entire social circle is your partner and their friends, start to join some clubs, join some groups, go out, meet new people try to expand your world and your circle and look at what life might be like if you moved away from that thing to something else. That's a really good point. And me being me, I would never have thought of doing something like that. But having information <laughs> prior to action probably makes your life a lot easier. I was fortunate because... Yeah, I didn't think of it either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> Hilarious, isn't it? Forewarned is forearmed. Go and get a load of information and then you can plan it out nicely. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And being able to, especially that in that financial way too, being able to save a bit of money and have that income coming in and all that sort of thing can help your confidence enormously as well to know that you can take care of yourself. I mean, just like I was fortunate because I think there's a few things that have happened recently where I've gone, oh, that's why I did this. And isn't it bizarre that this happened? So I've been doing the podcast. Mm. I happened, as all this started with my husband, to be talking to to somebody who was a psychologist and then quite randomly another psychologist that I'd had on reached out to me and said, are you okay? So I was chatting to those two. And then I'd also spoken to a divorce lawyer So I got on the phone to her and went in and saw her straight away. But that action of going in to see the divorce lawyer before we were even talking about separating was actually brilliant because she gave me clarity on the situation. She listened to the whole story, what I'd been doing in the marriage, what he'd been doing in the marriage, all the things that had happened, what I was doing before, what he was doing before. And they said, okay, so if you split up, this is what will need to happen. And just having that certainty of, okay, legally, this is what I'm entitled to and this is what I can walk away from, took one of those uncertainties out of the situation, which made everything a bit easier to handle. Didn't leave me with a lot of money, please don't get me wrong. Mm. But at least I knew what I had to work with. Yeah, and I think it's a great point you make. I think that if there's so much uncertainty and if you can take a couple of those out of the equation, it takes away from that overwhelm of my whole life is up in the air. So if you have some things that you can bed down, that's really going to free up some mental space for you and some emotional space for you to be able to handle the other ones. So just before we finish up, is there anything else? First of all, can you tell everybody how to get in touch with you? But also, is there anything else you want to say to people before we finish up? Is there anything we haven't covered? I didn't ask you that. What was um, it you wanted to cover today? <laughs> <laughs> I could speak about divorce just for days and days because I'm such a passionate advocate of it being turning it into an opportunity. And it's so hard to see that at the start. And by no means do I suggest that on day one you go, yay, what an opportunity. But I think that it can be just like any other kind of upheaval in your life. If you process it and you learn from it and you can grow with it, then you can really thrive in your life after afterwards and you can really choose what you want and you can have a stronger another stat we had from our our group actually was that every single one who has children said they have a stronger relationship with their children now than they did before um because they've had these really open and honest and frank discussions and and a lot more one-on-one time with their kids and there's all these unexpected joys and pluses that come with it that people don't talk about enough and i we hear all about why it's hard and it is hard so hard but also and great stuff that comes with it when And for us and for a lot of women that I know, it's things like really strong friendships that come out of it, relationships with your kids. So you get to focus on on your career or on on these other things. And for me, I have a new relationship, which is not a relationship that I think I was capable of back when I got married, because I've done a lot of learning and growing. And I certainly did a lot of therapy going through that divorce process. And I nobody is faultless in divorce. And I think thinking of it as one person's fault is really a waste of time and energy. I think you need to go, well, 
what's my stuff in this situation? How can I process that? How can I grow from that? And what do I want in a future relationship if that's what you want? And so I'm in a much happier relationship than I have ever been before. And I think all of these things never would have happened if I hadn't got divorced. So I'm so happy that I did. I'm so happy that I didn't stick around to try to make it work. And I, my hope for women everywhere who are going through it is that they can find their way to that point as well, because it's such a wonderful place to be. And I hope that can provide some hope for women going through it. And yeah, as far as where to find us, we we have a, a website called womensdivorceacademy.com and you can find us on Instagram at Women's Divorce Academy as well. And we love questions. We're happy to answer anything. And, and we have a, a wonderful team of about, I think it's about 16 to 20 experts who provide all sorts of amazing insight into everything from money to sex and, and a lot in between. Yeah, we love to share that with women. So we'd love to have visitors. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed today. Me too. Thank you. One we'll talk again soon too. So everybody listening, we're going to have another conversation later in the year. Oh, we've got so many fat chats to have. (laughs) Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, Karen. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. And don't forget, if you've been thinking how great it would be to have your own podcast so that you can interview guests and speak to people about the topics that you're interested in personally, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is for you to start podcasting. There's a download on how to start a podcast for free waiting there for you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,